Welcome to Movie House Sports Psychology, the podcast where we look at your favorite movies and TV shows through the lens of mental health and sports psychology. I'm Dr. Jason Von Steetz, a licensed psychologist specializing in clinical and sports psychology. If you're interested in how psychological principles apply to your favorite fictional characters, this is the podcast for you. Let's get started. All right, here, here we go. Um, so I am here with friend of the show, Dr. Ali Kassenshapta. And last weekend was the premiere episode of The House of the Dragons or House of the Dragons or whatever the show is called, the, the, the new Game of, show, Game of Thrones show that we've been uh, eagerly anticipating. So today we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about our reactions, our history, being um, fans of the show and the books. Uh, that that whole universe and what we think about it from a mental health perspective and then i'll talk about it from a, a sports psychology perspective as well so uh let me let me just uh let me ask you uh dr ali what what were some of just some of your impressions about the show well i'm i'm a big fan of game of thrones and the franchise in general mm-hmm. i in graduate school, I, I started reading, I finished the first three books of Game of Thrones um, right around the time where I got lost in all of the series that were coming out. I mm-hmm. loved it. Um, so I felt like having this prequel come out was a treat. Um, I felt like it was pretty consistent with Game of Thrones life of a lot of gore, a lot of violence, a lot of aggression. Um, a lot of strong women characters, a lot of complex family dynamics, uh, and in general, just a lot of times I had to close my eyes a little bit because it was a little too much for me. Mm, nice, nice. Yeah, it is. It was very, very graphic. Uh, as I'm, I'm sure uh, anybody who knows Game of Thrones would just expect it, expect it to be very graphic and have lots of mature content. Um, yeah, and I've I've been a, a longtime Game of Thrones fan myself. Um, I think I maybe I got into it during grad school, or maybe just a little bit before. Um, no, no, I I got into it during grad school. I remember now. Um, I was just kind of slowly starting to hear about it, pretty much everywhere. Uh, just people talking about it. Uh, acquaintances I would meet just for five minutes. Somehow it would come up. Um, and then somehow I finally got a hold of the show because I didn't have cable at that time. I think my wife was uh, – the, the the library that my wife was working at had the, the DVD box set of season one. So she just kind of randomly brought it home one day. It was – she had noticed that it was being checked out just constantly. And then one day it was there. Uh, it was available. So then she checked it out. And at the time, I was supposed to be very, very busy. Um, I was doing a summer internship at uh, the Major League Baseball Youth Academy in Compton, and I was working with high school and and college baseball players, and it was this amazing opportunity. And I was spending a lot of time focusing on on that part, Uh, but then all of a sudden, I got uh, this box set of, of season one of Game of Thrones, and I remember watching the first episode and then at the very end, just being completely blown away and just, just amazed. Like I was just so drawn in and um, I forget what season they were on at that time. Maybe it was uh, maybe season three or season four or so was, was uh, out on DVD already. And in about two weeks, even though I had this internship at, uh, you know, with Major League Baseball and I was working really hard on that. And in about two weeks, I just binge watched all those different episodes and just loved it. And then I was also watching YouTube, um, you know, YouTube videos about different characters, trying to learn more and trying to understand this 
this whole universe, like this kingdom with all these different characters and who is this Ned Stark guy and, you know, what's his history. And, and there's all these names that people say, and they kind of allude to all these amazing events that happened a long time ago. Um, and then some of those events um, are actually in this new show, House of the Dragon. Uh, some of the, some of the names and some, you know, some of um, the, um, yeah, some of the mythology from, from the show is, is actually taking place in this new show. So that's, you know, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, uh, I'm excited to watch this. If you're a Dr. Who fan uh, and you know, Matt Smith, uh, you know, he's, He's uh, in this show playing a completely different character than than Doctor Who. Uh, he's not not very whimsical, and he's not necessarily very nice. Um, yeah. So, uh, just to get back to this actual episode that we're going to talk about, yeah, very graphic, very uh, very violent, um, uh, very very shocking at times. Um, yeah, just and you know, and and uh, it, I think it was uh, captivating. Uh, it, I don't want to compare it to uh, uh, the original show, um, uh, but I think it's it's off to a to a strong start. Uh, I don't know if anything can really recapture just how um, you know how much of a of experience, like how epic that first show was, where you know everybody was watching it and talking about it, and you know. Um, needed to see the episode when it aired and talk about it at the water cooler. I don't think people even stand around water coolers anymore. Uh, you know, I, yeah. So that I don't even know if it's possible to reach that level again, but I'm still excited and, uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to be tuning in and, and watching this show whenever, whenever new episodes come out. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm hooked. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this, you know, as, as you know, uh, this is the Movie House Sports Psychology Podcast. So uh, let, let me let me talk about uh, some of these events through the lens of sports psychology. Uh, so there is a character who um, you know might be the main character or, or one of one of three or four main characters in, in a show that already has tons of of you know really interesting really cool characters uh so damon targaryen uh is the guy that i'm going to be talking about today um and if if you haven't seen the episode yet or if your memory is a little little fuzzy uh i'll give give a little bit of a, a breakdown of the episode so at the very beginning of the episode they talk about this great council where um you know uh the king at the time is uh, calling together a council of all the the lords and ladies of the, the realm, and and they're going to figure out who the next uh, the next king is going to be, or the next the next ruler, possibly queen um, of the realm is going to be. Because there's a little bit of a uh, of uh, confusion about about um, the line of uh, succession, um, and at that time, it's decided by the the lords. Uh, by the nobles of the the realm, that the um, uh, the next ruler will be ooh, and maybe I should have looked up his name. Uh, the Targaryens have lots of interesting names. Everybody in um, in this universe has lots of interesting names. So, but the the gist of it is, they decide that uh, this male Targaryen is going to take over rather than. Um, the current king at that time's eldest um, child, uh, who is a, a woman, uh, Rhaenys, so uh, she's passed over. She uh, will not will not be the next ruler. Um, and then and then we jump forward in time, and there's still this same kind of dynamic dynamic playing out. Who will be the next ruler? Um, and then you know surprise surprise there's going to be some conflict there's going to be um some um disagreement and maybe it's going to lead to a huge civil war uh we'll we'll have to see no no spoilies um and and one of the people in that line of succession is somebody named Damon Targaryen um he's the half brother they don't say it in the show uh but 
uh, if you know the books, we do, do know that he is the, the half-brother of the king. Uh, so that's part of why the line of succession is kind of fuzzy, because uh, he's... Um, he, and this this will probably come out. I'm trying to decide if I should say this or not. You know, I I'm, I think I'm not going to say certain things and just let let people watch the show. But there's Damon Targaryen, and uh, he's the brother of the king, and um, he is somebody who uh, the people of the the realm feel very mixed about. The king has his council. And many of them do not like him because, uh, you know, what we know about Daemon Targaryen is that he's a, a great warrior. He is beloved by the small folk, the the people of Flea Bottom, the people of, um, you know, the, the realm that are commoners really, really love him because um, uh, he's considered to be a man of the people. He goes to brothels. He... Um, he is the leader of the city watch. Uh, so he's, he's like in, in, in it with them in a sense. That's how they view him. Even though he's a prince and he's very rich and very powerful, he's seen as a man of the people. And uh, one of um, uh, the first things that he does is he, um, uh, he's named leader or Lord commander of the city watch kind of because the small council just wants to get rid of him. So, you know, they don't want him to be in charge of the city's finances. They don't want him to be in charge of the city's Navy. So like, let's just make him the Lord commander of the city watch, you know, basically the local police department. And, um, he starts, uh, really turning them into a force to be reckoned with. He, he take, he gives them, shiny new uniforms with gold cloaks and um he um essentially does a lot of team bonding he takes them to brothels they're drinking ale together they're doing what what men do in brothels uh and then you know they're they're building a lot of social cohesion to speak in uh sports psychology terms where people get along together they like each other as friends and not only that, they have a lot of task cohesion too. They're all loyal to Damon Targaryen, and he does uh, something that the other lords call a spectacle, where uh, an unprecedented spectacle, where he comes out with his city watch, he gets them all revved up, and he does a big crackdown on the town where, you know, they go out and they round up. Uh, what I'm guessing are, are known um, criminals and they dish out a lot of corporal punishment in a very brutal way, chopping off limbs, chopping off other body parts. And, um, um, and the Lords look down on that. And I'm sure part of the common folk also are not happy with that, especially the people who were brutalized, but then other people are very happy with what happened. Um, so he's so he's a very uh, polarizing figure, uh, but I've I've been talking for a while there. So before I go on, uh, but do do you have any thoughts about um, Damon Targaryen so far? Uh, my thoughts about him are mostly he seems like a suspicious character. <laughs> I think you know the the show has really portrayed him as mostly I don't know mostly nefarious mm. um not in a very likable light that being said those in the brothel really seemed to enjoy him mm -hmm. um and really supported him to the point where you know things that were said at the brothel enthusiastically relayed back to the king right which impacted succession decisions um, so, but at the same time, the only glimpse that I saw that was loving of him or empathetic was sometimes his relationship with his brother, half brother, um, the king, and sometimes with his niece. Um, but otherwise he was difficult to like, I think would be my ultimate impression of him. Fun to watch, difficult to like. <laughs> 
Okay. Yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah, he was he was very tender with his with his niece. Uh, I believe her name is Rainieris. Um, uh, she had lost, uh, and we're jumping forward in time a little bit, but she had lost her um, her mother, um, who you know who died during childbirth, um, um, and she was very very devastated. And uh, Damon Targaryen was very um, very supportive and helped her through that. Um, you know, he 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 actually reached out to her and talked to her and comforted her when the king and maybe really no one else paid any attention to her. Um, and, uh, and then um, Daemon Targaryen's troops and Daemon Targaryen's um, uh, supporters at, at the brothel uh, see him in a, in a different light than other people do, where um, they see him as the rightful ruler who is cleaning up the town and, um, and also isn't, you know, isn't stuffy and isn't um, going to um, look down on them or, um, or uh, shame them in, in any way. Uh, so there's these two, there's these two sides to him um, uh, where, um, yes, he's, he can be very nefarious and then he also can be very empathic and supportive when somebody really needs it the most, you know, when the, when their mother uh, just passed away, just died. Um, yeah, so, so, so already we're seeing, um, you know, this polarizing figure and, and, and he can bring out different emotions and different people. And, you know, that's, that's kind of the, the point of the show in a lot of ways. Um, and one of the things that, that happened, uh, there was a, a big tournament. Uh, it's Game of Thrones or the Game of Thrones universe. So there's going to be there's going to be a tournament here and there. I'm sure there's also going to be weddings and, and lots of other things uh, that we know that happen in, in the, the Game of Thrones uh, universe. And I thought the, the tournament was very interesting. Uh, we got to see Daemon Targaryen um, at work. Uh, we got to see his his ability as a knight, and um, and I thought I thought it was really interesting. Uh, he is somebody who is really good at mind games. Uh, so he has an enemy on the small council named Hightower. Uh, I think it might be. No, no, no. Um, there's so many different Hightowers. For a second, I thought it was Gerald Hightower. I don't think that's him. Let's just call him Lord Hightower. Um, but he has, he has an enemy in, in Lord Hightower, who's the hand of the king. And um, and the whole time Daemon Targaryen was was playing mind games with, with Lord Hightower, he, uh, he challenged Lord Hightower's oldest son and heir to... Um, you know, to, to joust in the tournament. Um, and then um, after they fought, he asked Lord Hightower's daughter up in the, up in the stands to um, sort of give, give him her blessing in a sense. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure how to, how to refer to that, but, um, oh, her favor. He, he was asking for her favor. Um, so, and, and you could see it just really, um, uh, kind of uh, ruffling Hightower's feathers. So he's so he's really good at mind games, and he's he's a very capable knight. And um, something that I thought was interesting. Um, so uh, I think maybe if if I remember the the that specific joust right, at first, Damon isn't necessarily winning. At first, uh, Hightower the the son Hightower kind of knocks Damon back with with uh, his lance. And then Damon doesn't wait after he sees, after he gets knocked back and sees that, um, uh, that maybe uh, Hightower might be a better jouster. He immediately turns to cheating and uh, he puts his lance down to, to trip the horse of, uh, of Sir Hightower uh, and, then, and then kind of wins through, through cheating and then, of course, you can say that that's uh, dishonorable. That's you know that's bad, but he did win. Uh, so, so you can see like okay, he's a good fighter, and he's gonna think outside the box, and he's he's gonna get the outcome that he wants 
from you know whatever means it takes. And then he he jousts again against this newcomer, Sir Kristen Cole, um, who happens to be common born. Um, so maybe that's going to play into things later. Maybe not. I don't know. But um, right away, you can see Sir Kristen Cole is um, also very good and someone to be reckoned with. And uh, for whatever reason, uh, Damon doesn't turn to cheating, but they're, you know, they're really having a good back and forth. And then, um, and then Sir Kristen Cole uh, gets the better of him and knocks him off his horse. And Damon gets dragged across this wooden barrier and then falls off his horse. And um, you can see Damon kind of pushing away the squires who are supposed to help him. And Kristen Cole doesn't do that. Kristen Cole is, is you can see he's more like in tune with the squires he gets the sword, he gets the lance, he keeps going and, and doesn't have that that friction with the squires. Maybe that also means something. Um, you know, it's it would be interesting. Um, you know, I think if, if you see an athlete competing and they're also kind of fighting with their support staff at the same time with their, um, you know, with the equipment manager, with the coach, I think that's, that's telling you a, a little bit there. Um, and then Kristen Cole and Damon Targaryen kind of duke it out. And then Damon starts to kind of celebrate and kind of flaunt his victory before he's actually won. So maybe that's telling us something there too. And then Sir Kristen Cole comes back and, and wins the overall fight. Uh, so I think, I think that's telling us a lot. I think it's part of what it's saying. Damon Targaryen is a very capable warrior. He will cheat if he he didn't even doesn't necessarily need to if he wants to he will cheat he will act impulsively he doesn't always cheat um, which is also interesting and um, and he can also uh, not necessarily sprint across the finish line he can start celebrating early and then and then that can lead to his defeat. So maybe that's also predictive of things that are going to happen down the road. Uh, but I think that that fight does give us a good glimpse at uh, Damon as as a warrior and and his kind of mindset where he could be impulsive, he could cheat, he's he could be really good, and he could um, kind of end early because he thinks he won, and then that could lead to to his doom. Uh, but w- what did you think? Did you have any impressions? about any of that or, or does anything else come to mind to you right now? I think the biggest thing that comes to mind is your ultimate reframe of cheating as thinking outside the box. <laughs> I, yeah. I thought that was excellent. Um, <laughs> I, I think Damon is a good example of how impulsivity is both a strength as mm-hmm. well as something that can really hinder you. Mm-hmm. Um, I see it all the time with kids, yeah. um, right? Cause pediatric psychologists here. So like in the classroom, sometimes impulsivity can be, oh my gosh, I'm the funniest student in the class. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. And on the next moment you could be hurting somebody's feelings because you accidentally said something you didn't intend right. to and just blurt it out. You're like, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. Um, so I, I would wonder, I mean, for Damon in the tournament, um, I view both his early celebration, you know, a, a bit of a piece of his personality mm-hmm. and maybe confidence, but I also view that as impulsive mm-hmm. of like, if he played the tape forward a little bit, he'd be like a little bit more cautious of like, oh, we're not done yet. I mm-hmm. need to, you know, put my head on a swivel here and see what's going mm-hmm. on before I just assume that I've won. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, yeah. And and of course, I don't endorse cheating. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. (laughs) Yeah. This is the Game of Thrones world. Um, And uh, and it's interesting to think it's something interesting to think about. Um, If we see somebody being perfectly honorable in a tournament, does that mean that uh inside like when they 
if and when they go to war, are they going to be very predictable and, you know, and maybe, maybe perfectly honorable by, you know, other people's uh, viewpoint, but then at the same time, not get it done and not, you know, not uh, come out as victorious. And then now their community, whoever that is, is going to suffer because, because they didn't do what they needed to do in, in a sense. Um, and, you know, in sports, there's, oh, there's always a fine line, you know, uh, you know, if I'm thinking about uh, mixed martial arts, you're not supposed to hold the fence. You're not supposed to hold on to somebody's shorts. Everybody does it a little bit. And if holding the fence or holding somebody's shorts is going to help you not get submitted or not um, not fall down and then be controlled and you know uh, and then and then ultimately lose, like is it worth it to hold the fence a little bit? There's there's small ways of, of cheating. Or things that would be considered cheating, and then there's very blatant uh, things that would, ha- you know, be considered uh, unsportsmanlike that um, you know everybody would would think is is too far. Um, in Damon Targaryen's uh, instance, uh, where he trips the horse, my guess, based off of the whole Game of Thrones universe that you know that i have experience with i'm guess that's considered in very bad taste uh but then he is a prince and people will look away because he has um that privilege as as a prince of the realm so i definitely don't endorse that but we do know that there is going to be a dance of dragons there's going to be a war or a civil war happening and then that does tell you like you know while other people might think it's beyond the pale to do certain things damon's gonna do it and then those people will be off the board in a sense they they're gonna be done Um, well i i think honorable or not i think there is something to be said that you know thinking outside the box and having that creativity has an adaptive component, right? So, so cheating has meaning in the context of our societies mm-hmm. um, and, and how we view it. So being a Dodgers fan, you know, watching us getting cheated out of a world series was mm-hmm. really painful, but on the same token, it was a big win for the other team who will never be named on this podcast, you know, and um, similar in the context of the Game of Thrones universe, uh, there is something adaptive to acting dishonorably, thinking on your feet, finding any way to win. Mm -hmm. There's a survival piece to it. And, you know, thinking about epigenetics and evolutionary psychology of what gets passed down to each generation is really interesting, you know, reading some of these journals recently about ADHD and where does that come from? And a component of ADHD oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes is this impulsivity. And they are finding that if you go far back enough in the genetics of humans, traits of ADHD can be found in those who are more migratory and risked moving from place to place, uplifting their families and migrating somewhere new and taking that risk being hunters. Um, so really viewing it in the context of, you know, this show, cheating, mm-hmm. yes, societally has terrible connotations. And also I'm Damon won a little bit and he yeah. probably will win a bit. And as a viewer, I'm like, what is he doing? This is shady and terrible. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, uh, so, so he he does he w- my guess is that he will win a bit he will win plenty of times uh, and uh, I think it was Cersei Lannister who said uh, when you play the Game of Thrones you win or you die uh, something like that so oh, I miss her she is such <laughs> a great character <laughs> yeah. she, she was a good character uh, so Dame you see Damon winning and uh, people win until they don't uh, so. We'll 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 see where that goes for him. 
Um, yeah, and then back to uh, you know the idea of cheating or fairness. Um, uh, I would say the person, the best person to ever play the game, to play the Game of Thrones, was probably Tywin Lannister, um, and he orchestrated the Red Wedding, and uh, that would be considered extremely dishonorable. And um, uh, people would probably think that, uh, you know, uh, House Frey and pretty much anybody involved in the Red Wedding are cursed, you know, forever because because they did something so dishonorable, uh, you know, by taking someone into your home, giving them salt so that they know, like, okay, you're 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 eating dinner here. You are my friend. This is this is a safe place to be. And then betraying that and, and actually killing them, um, so that's considered extremely dishonorable. And I can't remember if they talk about it in the show, but in the books, they uh, Tywin does raise this question. You know, is it um, you know why is it wrong to save the lives of thousands of people by uh, by killing you know a hundred or by killing a dozen? You know, why why is that wrong? Um, so, you know, I, I don't, again, I don't endorse, uh, massacring people at a wedding, but that at, at that same time in, in this universe, um, it essentially ended the war of the five Kings. And, um, now, now that that happened, small folk all across the realm, no longer necessarily need to worry about being caught up in this war of five different kings fighting for one crown most most of them really for no reason other than they they just wanted power and uh and it's the small folk who always suffer so you know that's is is something something to think about there all right well any um let's see um oh and then to to your to your point and maybe the last thing i'll say about daemon targaryen um you you mentioned impulsivity and how sometimes it could be um you know uh, a strength you can jump into action and, and do something that can really help and then sometimes it can definitely be somebody's downfall um after daemon targaryen is confronted by his brother the king because uh, Damon was at a brothel, and he was he was mourning the loss of his sister-in-law and his uh, you know his newborn nephew. He was he was mourning in his way. Um, uh, he was asked to give a, a speech. He was kind of um, kind of prodded, you know, by his followers who were celebrating. He really wasn't celebrating. He was very sad, but he was kind of goaded into celebrating by his followers. And then he's a man of the people. He went right along with it. And then, um, and then it, his celebration got back to the King. And instead of apologizing profuse, profusely, instead of, um, acknowledging what he did wrong he did acknowledge it in a sense by saying we all mourn in our own way but he could have done more to 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 acknowledge the mistake he made and how he hurt his brother instead he doubled down and said no 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 i you know you should give me even more power and you should have me by your side you know even more uh because you're weak and you know i'm strong and I see people for what they are, and I'm going to tell you the truth, and I'm going to protect you from all of these leeches who are trying to bring you down because you're too weak to see it for yourself. And then the king said, you know what? How about you just get out of here, and uh, and you're not going to be my uh, my heir anymore. You're no longer in the line of succession. Um, so that that definitely backfired um, for for poor Damon. And yeah, uh, I, I always like um, it's it, it's something I talk about all the time of like when you are having difficult conversations and you know people say things all the time and some things are really terrible and hurtful. 
was it really in the king's best interest to make a decision on a reaction versus sitting with it a moment and then responding? I mean, impulsivity on both sides. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. to hate on his choice. I love he chose his daughter, rock on, right choice, 100%. Also, <laughs> that was, it never hurts to wait a minute and be like, is this what I, we should do? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and that's that's relevant in sports psychology. That's relevant in just mental health in general. Uh, you know, maybe just pause and take a breath. <laughs> Your mindfulness breath. Yes. Yeah, that can be <laughs> really, really helpful. Um, one of the things that happens with athletes uh, when they get uh, when they get amped up, when they are full of emotion or when they're full of doubt or, you know, whatever, whatever's going on when they feel, feel strongly about something. Um, one of the most common things that they can do is just rush, just rush to get through it or try really hard. And uh, sometimes that works. Most of the time it doesn't. And what would be really helpful in a, in a really intense moment, just pause, just breathe, just let yourself breathe, just let yourself refocus, assess the situation, and then and then move forward. Uh, there's a, a sports psychology uh, professor from Cal State Northridge, uh, I believe her name's Ashley Sampson, who will often tell her athletes, pause, breathe, then respond. It's really simple, but but I really like like uh, that phrasing pause, breathe, respond, pause, breathe, then respond. So both of them definitely could have, could have done that. And really everybody in the entire episode, for the most part, they would have uh, had a nicer time if they would have paused, breathed, and then they responded and, you know, whatever they were doing. Um, so, yeah, if Damien could have said, um, if he could have chosen his words differently, his intention was to say, you know, I think you're messing up. I'm sorry. I think you're messing up too. And I want to help you. Uh, but instead he said what he said, if he could have paused and take a breath and said, you know, Hey brother, I'm, I got your back. I'm here to help you. I'm really, really sorry about what I did, but I just, I just want to help you. That could have been maybe, you know, a lot different. And the King, if he would have paused and breathed and then said, you know what, let's end this meeting. And let's talk about because as you already know, most of the council is against you. I argued with them in favor of you, but what you did really hurt me. Let me just get back to you next week, or you know, let's 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 talk about this later. Uh, that you know, maybe maybe there wouldn't have been a huge civil war where the Targaryens kind of almost killed all of each other off, and we're no longer an unstoppable force yeah. uh, that may, might have happened. You know what I adore is that in this universe and in history in general, family conflict of families of power result in wars. Mm -hmm. And then family conflict for those not in power just result in normal cutoffs and family drama. Right. Yeah. I think, I think that's a really good point. I think a, a lot of, what is going to lead up to the war in general, it's people with a lot of power concerned mainly about their power, holding on to their power or having more power and being completely cut off from everything that's going on with the rest of the 99% of the population. Like one of the things that the King said really briefly was just that uh, the city had been in decline since his grandmother died since his grandmother died the city had been in decline so who who knows how long that had been and then Damon targaryen uh rises to power because the city is in decline and then he says and then and then he's kind of given a, a bs job as the um uh, police of the local police uh, chief of the local police department because the people in power don't want him to have a, a more powerful position. And then he just starts funding, funding the police starts saying, Hey, let's go out there and crack some heads. And, um, and then that's going to be a huge part of his, his ultimate rise to, to more and more power. 
because things were in such decline for so long because mm. people were just concerned about themselves. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I do think a big uh, intervention that's now being much more spoken about in our current society is the development of communities and how in our very isolated lives, especially post COVID world where a lot of us work from home. Um, how do we develop communities and connection with people we live near or people we identify with? Um, because in part it's better for our, ourselves, mental wellness, it, it improves and also it helps um, stop or mitigate things like violence, um, robbery, war on, on this kind of, the more we know the other, the more um, compassion we find is the theory. Right. Yeah. And this might be um, a question for another time, but if you were implanted into that city at that time, Maybe you have a dragon, maybe you don't. I don't know. Um, what do you think you would do to, um, you know, build uh, more of a, a community environment and kind of, um, kind of uh, lower lower the the temperature in everything that's going on there? Mm, that's an excellent question. Off the top of my mind, because I need to think about this yeah. for a while, so I might change my answer later. Um. I think what I would do is take a very Tyrion Lannister approach, mm. um, get to hear and listen as much as possible yeah. without giving too much advice initially. Um, he played both sides a bit. Um, mm. But I think by playing both sides, it, it just helps facilitate. You can use it for good. You can facilitate yeah. communication, um, mitigate challenges as they come up. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would make sure people are fed, people feel safe, mm -hmm. you know, basic needs are met. And if, I, I know Game of Thrones worlds um, aren't always the people, like the man of the people mm -hmm. like Damon is, which is really cool. But also he isolates different groups. Um, he's in everybody's cup of tea. So how do we unite the people by feeling secure and using that as leverage and power to take down some of the other uh, power hungry individuals? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, very good. Very good. Yeah, Tyrion, <laughs> <laughs> Tyrion is, I think Tyrion is uh, George R. R. Martin's favorite character. Uh, Tyrion's very smart. Um I can't remember exactly what uh, George R. R. Martin said, but one, you know, paragraph or a couple sentence sentences of dialogue for Tyrion could take him a week or two weeks because Tyrion is a lot smarter than George R. R. Martin is. So it it takes a long time to actually figure out like what this really guy, this really smart guy, is going to do. Um, and when I go back, when I think back to maybe it was season. Three, maybe season two of Game of Thrones, where Tyrion takes over as Hand of the King. Oh, yeah. Um, Tyrion took a, a little bit of a different approach at that time, where he wasn't necessary. If I'm remembering the way I'm remembering it, is he wasn't necessarily um, uh, making peace between two different sides. He was. In the books, it explains that he keeps thinking about Ned Stark and he keeps thinking man, I don't want to end up like Ned Stark. And he, he really admires him. At least that's the way that I read it. He admired him, kind of wishes that Ned was his dad and uh, doesn't want to end up like Ned. Um, so he is very adamant about kind of rooting out corruption and rooting out people who were loyal to Cersei. So he's, you know, if uh, the, the Lord commander of the city watch at that time made a mistake, you're gone. You, you know, you, you're telling me you're not going to be loyal to me. You're loyal to Cersei. You're out of here, buddy. And he, he did that to quite a few different people. Um, so I think that, you know, I, I'm going back and forth in my head right now. Like if I'm, put on the small council, if I have the king's ear, do I say, 
you know, anybody who's not fully loyal to you, we need to get them out of here. Um, you know, maybe that's Damon Targaryen. Maybe, maybe it's not. Maybe it's Hightower. Maybe it's somebody else. I don't know. Because we've really only seen one episode. So we can't really say for sure who are the people who are loyal to the king and to the realm. Uh, so that's that's something to think about. Or do I take more of a, a sports psychology approach where I'm doing my best to build cohesion among the team you know we need to do more to get everybody on the same page um uh that could be um in, in that same episode they mentioned um i think they mentioned the the gray joys they mentioned like some kind of like um pirate group of people who are attacking ships and feeding oh, people yeah. to crabs the crab king or something so getting everybody on board on the same page and attacking that problem, everybody working together to solve the problem of beating the Crab King could be, you know, really good, um, uh, a really good way of, of building that task and social cohesion where people are getting along and they're on the same task working well together. And we need to approach the problem of the small folk. You know, the city's been in decline for decades since his grandma's died. So maybe that means more tournaments so people can watch and have fun. Hopefully it doesn't mean that more nights and random people would just get brutalized and die. You know, maybe it means um, giving out sacks of grain to people and, you know, so they can have more fun. Maybe you know who who knows what that can mean, but but we we would really need to to, um, to just kind of fig, raise the standard of living for for so many people when it had been lowering for for decades already. Um, so so that's my kind of in the moment uh, response. Um, but did did you uh, want to add anything to that? No, that was really well thought out. I would probably be dead in the universe. <laughs> well, we all would. Uh, we would just we would drink the the wrong water and then die like it's a couple insane. hours later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or just... oh, it's a dragon death, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or or we would be burnt to a crisp, or we would be walking down an alley with kind of like a, an innocent, nice look in our eyes, and then someone would see us and stab us, and then yeah. <laughs> it would be over. Oh, you wear glasses, buy mm -hmm. glasses, then I fall yeah. off a cliff, you know? Yeah, so <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably. Yeah. So I, I think, uh, I think uh, that'll be it for today. There was so much going on in the episode and I think a lot of themes will still play out and, and uh, we can talk about those things uh, in the future. Uh, for example, there was uh, a childbirth scene in this episode that uh, most likely brought out strong emotions in many people. There's the theme of passing over uh, heirs to the throne that are women. There was Rainey's the queen who never was. Um, there's, um, you know, and, and it's, I hate to say it, but there could be fans who could be um, upset. Uh, they, there could be racial bias about the show. Um, and then I will say quickly that in the books, there are dark-skinned or, uh, or black um, uh, people in the show who also have silver hair. Um, they're not Targaryens, but they're from the same place the Targaryens came from. Uh, so you can think of Westeros as like Europe and then Valyria, the place where the Targaryens came from, you can think of that as ancient Rome. And just like in ancient Rome, it wasn't just white skinned uh, Robans. There were also um, people from Northern Africa. There were people from uh, all over the world. And then that's also the way Valyria was. And then that's represented in the show. I haven't heard too much, but I have heard a little bit that there's been some uh, some racism from the fans uh, who are shocked and don't think that uh, maybe um, those people, uh, those actors should have been chosen. Um, so I think those are great things to talk about uh, in an upcoming 
you know, upcoming episodes when we can um, have more time to, to untangle those things. Um, but uh, this, this was definitely a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to more of this, this season and I'm looking forward to talking about it more. Uh, so Dr. Ali, thanks for, um, for coming on and uh, uh, I'll, I'll give you the last word. Is there anything you're looking forward to or anything you want people to know uh, maybe about how to get in contact with you or um, is any, anything you want to leave us with before we hang up? Oh, sure. Thank you. Well, first, thanks for having me. I love nerding out to all of Game of Thrones universe things. Um, and I'd love the opportunity to just spend time talking about, you know, sexism and racial bias within the <laughs> TV series. Because mm-hmm. um, it's something I'm verbal and passionate about. Um, but I think, you know, my biggest takeaway aside from I enjoy watching the show, I enjoy talking about it. I like talking about it with you within the psychological concepts. Um, but the biggest takeaway for me is like, let's be kind to one another and be compassionate. Mm. And, you know, I, my day in life, it's, I work with kids and it's the number one thing we talk about all the time. Like, how can we take a moment to be, practice self-compassion and practice compassion to the other. Um, and maybe we can help bring peace to ourselves and our communities. So, yeah. Thanks for having me. And I I look forward to having another chat. Sounds good. And uh, what's your website again? Um, it's, uh, www.dralley.com. Allie spelled A L I E. All right. Thanks, Dr. Ali. If anybody uh, wants to get a hold of you, they can go to your website and contact you through through the through through that website. And uh, can't wait to see you again. All right. See you Thanks. later. This has been Movie House Sports Psychology. Find me on Instagram or Twitter using my handle at CBT Sports Psych. And tell me what you think. Thanks for listening.